You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi there. You're listening to episode 160 of the Blended Family Podcast. We're into February, and I have no idea where January went. I've been struggling a lot for the past couple of months with time management. And it's not that I'm bad with time management. It's just that, well, I never seem to have enough of it. There's never enough time in my day to accomplish everything I want and need to. And I'm already pulling sometimes 12 to 14-hour days. I know that many of you can relate with your blended families. On top of that, I did start up my exercise program again this week, which takes up an hour every day. But that is one thing that I can't let go of again. It's the exercise that actually gives me the energy that I need, as well as it helps me cope with the craziness of life lately. You know, it's so funny to me that when I do talk about my own struggles here on the show, I always get responses from listeners, and they're always surprised to hear that I struggle just like everyone else. Of course I do. I don't always talk about it because honestly, well, who really wants to hear me complaining about all of my problems? That's really not why you're here. Although I do understand that when you hear about my issues, it helps you to realize that I'm in this with you, and I am. It doesn't matter how experienced I am or that I host this show or that I'm all about love and peace. I have my days, and sometimes I have my weeks where it's hard to breathe, where I feel like I can't go on. I'm in this with you. I'm raising four teenagers I think last week I cried every night for like seven days in a row. So please understand that I am no different from every one of you. We may all have a different story, but we are all in this together. This is my Valentine special. If you've been listening for a while, you might know that every February I like to put out a show having to do with relationships. Today is no different. I've got a great guest joining us, plus a giveaway at the end of the show. If you're new to the show, I do a giveaway every month, usually the first Monday of every month, and I always pick someone from my list. So if you are not already on it, please go to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. Then you will be automatically entered to win. So be sure to stay tuned after the interview to find out who the winner is. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with my very special guest. I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, Eric Newton. Eric is a former family law attorney who describes himself as someone who's been through a thousand divorces and still believes in love. Ushering couples through divorce wasn't easy for Eric, a romantic from birth, but it turned out to be the ideal medium through which to understand the entire life cycle of a relationship. As a result, Eric had a unique real-world comprehension of what makes one marriage thrive and another fall apart. During his time as an attorney, Eric racked up a few accolades. He founded a successful law journal, built the largest and fastest growing family law firm in the Bay Area, and was named a super lawyer three years running. He also teamed up with a psychologist friend to lead premarital courses for couples, hoping to give them the skills they'd need to stay out of his office. 
Ultimately, his calling to help couples build healthy relationships superseded his legal career, and he decided to dedicate himself full-time to creating a place couples could go for information, inspiration, and a big dose of truth. That's when Together was born. Eric lives in San Francisco with his fiancée, Aubrey. After three years of amazing vacations, silly fights, gushy displays of affection, and pet vomit, they're more <laughs> passionate than when they met and going deeper daily. It's hard work, but good work. Eric also volunteers as a marriage commissioner at San Francisco City Hall and has had the honor of marrying more than 180 couples. Wow. Welcome, Eric. Thank you for joining me today. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I loved your bio. It was long, but I, I wanted to read it all because I liked it. I especially liked it at the end because we get to know your personality a little bit. Uh, the pet vomit part? Yeah, that part is great. How many <laughs> how many pets do you have? Are they, is it cat vomit or dog vomit? <laughs> it's both, actually. When we, when we first got together, I'd never had a pet, and Aubrey had two cats and a dog from her previous marriage. And uh, so it was this big adjustment phase. And there, let me just tell you, getting used to all that all the things that come out of pets. <laughs> yes. It takes some time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I know, I know you, don't, you don't have children, correct? Not yet. I'm hoping we get to do that soon. Well, the, the pet part kind of gets you used to what happens when you have the kid part. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a slow introduction to uh, <laughs> bodily fluids of creatures you love. <laughs> exactly. Well, Eric, Valentine's Day is approaching, and I usually like to do a relationship-focused show around this time of year. And I wanted to have you on because I love your story and I love what you do. And you were actually a very successful family law attorney at one time. But now your line of work involves helping couples in a very different way. So please share your story with us. Tell us about your law career and why you decided to take another path. Well, let's see. So I, I became a divorce lawyer by accident. I found this mentor who um, was a celebrity divorce lawyer, and he said he'd walk me through all my cases. And I was just getting started as a lawyer. And he said, uh, you know, move into my office and I'll help you get started in this business. So I did, not so much because I was choosing divorce consciously, but because it's what seemed like the right choice. But that man, Chris Emley, my part, my uh, mentor, used to always say, nobody ever does this by accident. You know, we're all here to exercise our demons. So I've often thought back on that and thought, you know, I probably did end up in divorce because I needed to work through the challenges of my own parents' divorce. And so I spent about a decade doing that and did have that opportunity to get up close and personal with the heart wrench and the anguish and the and the bad behavior, you know, that we all are subject to at times. And uh, there was something cathartic about that. And it wasn't my ultimate calling. You know, there was, I think, something for me to be learned there, but ultimately I needed to move on. Yeah. And so you're self-described as someone who's been through a thousand divorces and still believes in love. How <laughs> did you manage to keep that attitude when dealing with divorce every day? Because, I mean, as you said, it's, it's gut-wrenching watching people fight and watching families torn apart. So how did you not get cynical? You know, there was one thing that, that kept becoming clear to me is this notion, I, I think I'd heard somebody say it before, but I don't know who it was, um, that hate, anger, they're not the opposite of love, that they're really just a bastardized version of the intensity of that first emotion. They're, they're a bastardized version of love. Mm. You know, the, the opposite of love is indifference. 
And what I saw in the divorce context, very rarely did I see indifference. You know, I saw people who didn't have a way to express their love. I saw people who didn't have healthy outlets for the challenges around love. But I didn't usually see people who had completely moved on. I saw people who wanted to have a healthy expression for these things but didn't know how to get it. And I saw that in with regards to their relationships with their partners and also, very inspiringly, I saw the deep level of love that never, ever ends between parents and their children. You know, and, and though it was painful and though I saw what you might consider the worst behavior um, that people exhibit at their hardest times, uh, it was clear to me that, that they still were searching for connection. And that, that kept me going. You know, I still find that inspiring. Well, thank goodness you did keep that positive attitude or else you would have never created your company together. I know you're <laughs> the voice of the podcast, but mm. you also offer a newsletter and an online magazine. So can you tell us a little bit more about what Together is and what is the company's mission? Yeah. So Together is a podcast about relationships. And what I primarily do is I interview couples with the intention of getting down to the nitty gritty, to what it really takes to make a relationship work. And not so much the fluff, you know, the talking points are not that interesting to me. I want to know what's really, really going on for people. And so the the with the goal of increasing transparency and reducing shame in culture. I think that there's a lot of shame around having challenges, but you know, the thing about being human is that challenges are inevitable. And so I want to share them. You know, I want it to be clear. It's okay. It's okay to have hard times. So that's the point of the podcast. Now, the magazine is a collection of stories and personal essays by journalists and others, people who've had some kind of relationship some sort of noteworthy relationship experience and they want to share it in the form of a story. So that's what the magazine's all about. And then I've just written a book sort of drawing on the lessons I've learned from all these all these different contexts. Oh, wonder I didn't know about the book. That's great. Is that out already? No, I just got an agent. I'm I'm really excited. You know, I just wrote the book to see if I could write a book. I and I got it done and and uh I'm frankly gratified to know that that an objective party likes it. So I've just got the agent and we're tweaking it a little before we send it off to publishers. So that should be ready. It could probably be out in about a year. That's wonderful. So make sure that you contact me then, and then we can have you back on the show to talk about the book and promote it a little bit for you. Um, I really love, Eric, that you're a realist. And you say that relationships are hard work, but not all couples know what that work consists of. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with you. I think that some couples want to give up too easily when things get difficult, and they don't understand that the work is never really done. You have to consistently put in all your efforts, even when it's hard. So, Eric, what is the necessary work, in your opinion? Do you have suggestions or ideas for couples listening today? Maybe some things they can do on a regular basis to help their relationship? Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, but I want to say, I think of that question from two perspectives. There's sort of the lens pulled way back, broad perspective of what is the work, and then there's the details of what are the you know things that we can actually do. And And I think you kind of have to think about both of them for it to make sense. Uh, So first of all, I think, as you said, 
this a concept of a relationship is an active concept. It's a verb. It's not like you get to relationship and then you're done. You know, relationship right. is this ongoing process. And it's an ongoing process of running up against our limitations, frankly. So that's the bigger perspective, that what we're doing in a relationship is bumping up against our our unresolved challenges and difficulties and incomplete parts of our internal makeup. And that really doesn't end. You know, you can never peel every layer of that onion. It's just going to keep going. It gets easier. Mm-hmm. And the process of doing it creates intimacy, so it feels good. But it's not like it's over at any point. So the bigger work is facing that, facing that inevitability, facing your internal demons. Um, But then the details, well, you know, there's some kind of talking points we can do, but it really comes down to what works for the couple and um, in the process of facing their demons. And usually it means some kind of structured communication approach. Um, And an example of that is something that, uh, in fact, I learned from some guests on my show is the, have you ever heard of the three plus one communication style? I have not. I, I, you know, you hear about it in lots of different ways, the three plus three and the two plus one. Basically what it comes down to is, um, with your partner, you pick a time, like a regularly scheduled time that you're going to do this. And, um, you, each of you has an opportunity to share three things that are working and one thing that needs work in the relationship. And um, the reason that you weight it more heavily towards things that are working is the research indicates that you know we all need to hear more positive feedback than negative. Um, but you've got to have an opportunity to talk about the things that aren't working. And uh, so having this regularly structured approach to doing that makes it more like exercise and less like trauma. It makes it more like a thing that you do on a regular basis rather than an emergency. And so it's much easier to sort of face the challenges and also acknowledges uh, and acknowledge the triumphs. So, you know, I, I, the reason I, I like this one so much is that this couple that I was interviewing said that they do this every uh, month and then every year they do a big one on their anniversary. And, I thought that's a really great idea, but I don't know if it could actually be implemented. You know, like would a normal couple actually do it? And uh, my fiance is a very kind of non-psychologically oriented. She's just a normal person who doesn't care about all these steps and processes. And I brought this to her and we actually applied it. And it's amazing. The impact that this has is amazing. There's so much there that we get to communicate that we never had the opportunity to do before. So it actually works. I really love that approach. I love that approach, too. I'd never heard of it. And what I like about it is because I think most couples only approach the other with something negative. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what I don't like. And this is an opportunity to actually outweigh the bad with the good so that you're not feeling attacked. And it, you know, point out that there are good things and then there's just this one little thing. So I think that that's a great idea. I'm actually going to try that myself and I would encourage all of my listeners to try it too. Um, and it's funny that you brought up, the first thing that you brought up was communication because, um, 
that's what I see again and again is issues with communication. I work exclusively with blended families. So we have all mm. kinds of issues that come up like stepchildren issues, financial issues, jealousies. But when you really get down to it, usually you can always find that there's a lack of communication somewhere. So um, it's interesting that you brought that up too. Yeah. Communication's a funny one. Everybody says that if you, if you talk to some couple that's successful and you say, well, what, you know, what do you do that makes your relationship work? The first thing they always say is, well, you know, we communicate really well, but nobody actually knows what, you know, if you, if you try to drill down, they don't really know what it means. And, um, and so, you know, that, that, the three plus one tool is a nice, kind of mechanism to do it. But what is it that you're actually doing is fascinating to me. And, you know, where my, tell me what you think about this, where my thinking on this is, is that if you are in a, if you're in a, in a, in an intimate relationship that you want to last, you've got to have the opportunity to share truths about yourself without ridicule. Like that has to absolutely fundamentally has to be one of the precepts of the relationship. You have to be able to express who you really are, your core values, without fear of shame or ridicule. And if you can't do that, then you're not really fully self-expressed, which means you're not really in a relationship. You're in a holding pattern. But the relationships are these opportunities for both people to express their truths. You know, and then you can adjust and modify behavior and you can deal with fallout. But you've got to have that opportunity in the first place. Yeah, definitely. And, you got to show your vulnerability. I mean, if you don't do that, then you're not, you're not being open enough with somebody. Absolutely right. Yeah. And then that engenders trust, which is the second order uh, requirement in a relationship. You've got to start with communication. Then you've got to have trust because that would, that's what creates the space of safety which allows for all that intimacy that we want. Yeah, I love that. All right. So you've interviewed hundreds of couples for the podcast, which is not including all of the couples you've worked with prior in your law career. And that is a lot of couples. So tell us what do you think? You're probably going to say communication, but I was going to say, tell us what you think the most problematic issue is, something that maybe you see over and over again. Is it lack uh, of communication? <laughs> you know, it, the communication is, I, I think of it as more of um, kind of a surface level. It, it's, it's a tool, you know, it's a function. Yeah. It's something that you've got to develop a skill with. Nobody's born with that skill. But really what's going on as a challenge in relationships and all of our relationships, I, I think, below the details fundamentally is that we're scapegoating one another for our own challenges and experiences. Mm. that's the problem. That's the problem that I saw as a divorce lawyer. That's the problem that I've seen coaching and working with couples. And that's the problem that I see on the show. People, you know, and for good reason, um, want to have external sources for their feelings. You know, when you're feeling uncomfortable, you want to point to something and say, that's the reason I'm feeling bad. And, you know, in the context of a relationship, it's just not true. It's tough medicine for a lot of us, but the truth is our feelings our, are our own. You know, those feelings are our feelings and we're responsible for them. Now, there's outside factors that play into them. There's things that can trigger experiences, but the feeling itself is ours and scapegoating your partner for your feeling is just going to lead to breakdown. Do you have, um, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you have any particular example of that in action? Uh, 
I yes, all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. In my own relationship, you know, I, this is something I've been talking and writing about for years, but I face it every single day. You know, um, let's see, the most last night, uh, the cat peed on our pillows. <laughs> And <laughs> my fiance was just getting ready to go to bed. Um, she had to get up real early this morning and she was feeling pretty stressed about it. And um, she went to get in bed and found out that all of the blankets all the way through to the mattress and all of the pillows on her side of the bed were soaked in cat piss. Uh. And, you know, I walked, she, I heard her say something about it. I didn't quite hear what she said. And I walked in there to see if there was anything I could help with. And she snapped at me. Okay, so the moment she snapped at me, I got triggered. You know, what what went on in my head is, hey, I just walked in here to help you, and why are you yelling at me? And then that triggered a whole conversation about nobody ever appreciates the work that I do around here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I take care of, you know, organizing and managing our lives and she doesn't acknowledge that and all she ever does is snap at me and I could feel my body shutting down yeah. and I could physically feel my my shoulders were were hunching over and um, I got a frown on my face and I got kind of quiet my back became tense and I turned around and I left um, which sounds like yeah you know you could justify that sure you went in there to help and she snapped at you and you turned around and left but I, but she wasn't responsible for those feelings I was having. She said a thing that she shouldn't have ha said. Perhaps, um, you know, I can ask her to consider, be a little bit more considerate when she's upset about something and not snap at me. Uh, but the reaction was mine. Right. You know, the reaction was 100% mine. And as soon as I got out of the bedroom, I went into the living room and I... And I and my my muscles in my back started to relax, and I was like, "Wait a minute, did what she did was what she said really that awful?" Actually, no, it wasn't. She it was just a, a very minor tone. So why am I having all these feelings? And now I've been down this path a hundred times before, so it was pretty easy for me to do it. But you know, I remembered that strange relationship with my father caused me to question my own personal value. Blah blah blah. You know, I'm. I could see that this was just a reflection of an old conversation that's been around since I was a kid. And I was, in my nomenclature, I was scapegoating her for that feeling. Well, thank you for sharing that because I think that's really helpful for people to understand how that happens and they can apply it to their own relationships and, and use the steps that you use. But it's very interesting that you, if you're getting a certain feeling, you think back when what does that feeling relate to earlier on? Because you're, you're right. Usually it stems back to something. And usually our feelings, like you said, are coming from somewhere within ourselves, our triggers, I should say. Um, there's always a reason for the trigger. And you can usually find it if you really concentrate and think back. So that was a really good example. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that process of thinking through where your triggers come from is something that can become a second hand and a very skilled tool. But, you know, when I was first learning how to do that, I had to sit down with a therapist to work through it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a normal thing about being human. We're not born with that skill set. We are just not born with it. And we're not taught that skill set in school either. 
you know, we get into these relationships and we're expected to suddenly have perfect, happy romances, but without having been given any of the, the tools and skills to make that occur. And, you know, I, I'm so grateful for having been told you should go to some therapy early. I, I think that's, that is something that every couple should do is go to therapy or coaching or do some personal development work or couples course early and often because you've got to learn and practice these skills. They don't come, you know, they're not, they're not second nature to us humans. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm sure that you could probably write a book. Well, you have <laughs> filled with all of the good advice that you've gotten from working with so many couples over the years. So can you now share maybe a few helpful ideas you've gotten from the couples that you've worked with or maybe just a few ideas that have come up repeatedly or something that's stuck with you? Yeah, you know, the skill that I probably use the most often uh, is, is around fighting. Um, and it really is two parts. The first is getting hold of my amygdala and the second is mirroring. Are you, does, does those two uh, terms make any sense to you? Uh, Not in the way that you're saying it, but I have a feeling that I know the way you're going to describe it. So go ahead. Okay. So the first thing is whenever we get triggered or become angry or we get into some sort of a conflict, our brains are not so good at distinguishing between a conceptual threat and a physical threat. So we go into fight, flight, or freeze mode pretty fast. It's what we're designed for. Um, but you know, it just doesn't make sense in modern society to do that. And especially not with your loved one, if you're not really under threat. So the first thing you've got to do in a conflict situation, any kind, even a small one that you're having with somebody you care about is get a hold of that lizard brain. The amygdala is the part of the brain that, you know, is, is allegedly our, um, our oldest evolutionary part of our brain. And it's the part that's really there just for survival. And it takes over in those moments. And you've got to calm it down so that you can act rationally. And there are some basic tricks to do that. You hear about people talking about deep breathing. Mm -hmm. That helps. Um, Something else that happens when the amygdala takes over is we get tunnel vision. Uh, And so actively widening your peripheral vision when you're feeling conflict. Take a moment, breathe deeply, and actively widen your vision. Okay. Uh, And then think about one thing that you're grateful for. If you can do those three things, you'll find that the fear center of your brain will will um, recede, and you'll be able to think a little bit more rationally in a way that you'll be proud of. So that's the first step. <clears throat> uh, the second step is mirroring. So uh, m- mirroring is a is a technique for getting into your partner's experience. And it's stemmed, it, it comes from the research that suggests that um, what really creates intimacy in relationships is not explaining our position or convincing our partners or causing them to act differently. It's being understood and understanding. Mm-hmm. That's what creates intimacy. And so mirroring is a technique that's been used for decades in um, corporate mediation and has also been applied more recently to relationship work. And essentially what it consists of is um, taking turns with your partner and uh, one person becomes an interviewer and the other person is the explainer. And it doesn't really matter who you start with as long as both people get a chance to go. Um, 
But when the explainer is talking, uh, the interviewer uh, takes what they're saying in chunks and repeats it back to them. So if you and I were having a fight, I might say, instead of getting into a conflict, I might say, um, let's do a mirroring technique. Tell me what's going on for you. And you would give me a sentence and I would repeat it back to you until you were satisfied that I understood what you were saying. And then you would go on to the next sentence and I would repeat that back to you until you were satisfied that I really got it. And we would go through that process until you were satisfied that I completely understood your concerns. Then we would flip and I would have an opportunity to share what I was thinking and you would repeat it back to me until I was satisfied that you got my perspective. Not with the intention of convincing the other side, not with the intention of really getting to a result in terms of behavior, just with the intention of understanding. What you find is that the issues tend to melt away because the understanding is really the thing you wanted anyway. I love that. I actually teach uh, the couples that I work with in coaching, I actually teach them that skill when we talk about healthy forms of communication, um, because I think that you are dead on with it. People just want to be understood. You want to know that your partner understands where you're coming from. It doesn't matter whether you agree, and it's not about who's right or wrong. It's just about can you at least understand where I'm coming from, let me understand where you're coming from, and then it's hard to have anger in that space anymore because, you know, there's an understanding. So I love that. That's that's really great advice. Um, yeah. Eric, and appreciation, just the last bit of that is yeah. that the appreciation part, the thing that we say that we want comes naturally from understanding, but you can't jump to appreciation without having understanding first. Yes. So you've got to focus on the first thing first. Well, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, Since I work with blended families, I'm mostly helping couples to deal with the challenges that come up with blending a family. Mm. I never work with couples that don't have children or couples who are in a traditional family home. Um, People just don't come to me for that. That's not that's not my area. I'm curious to know whether you see a big difference in the types of struggles that come up with these different types of relationships, because I know you work with everybody. Do you find that childless couples have far different struggles than those with children and even those with blended families? Or do you find that it's all very similar? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, the struggles, the actual struggles are definitely different. Yeah. Again, though, I like to pull the lens back before I dive into details. And, you know, the thing that I, the, the fundamental struggle that I see in the context of children and not children is this idea of meaning. You know, we, it, it seems to me that we humans are all searching for something that's meaningful to do with ourselves, to, to believe in, you know, to attach to. And, you know, in some sense, meaning is a, it's a little bit arbitrary. You know, if, if you believe in God, then you can, you can go with that. But if you're not a religious person, you've got to, you know, find your meaning somewhere. And it's, it's, it's a little bit amorphous, you know, it's hard to get your, your, your head really wrapped around what matters in life. And kids are an easy answer to that question. You know, when you become a parent, you suddenly have this other life that's completely dependent upon you, and that can be the source of meaning. And um, and inversely, when you're not a parent, um, y- you have more kind of free time, but you're still struggling for what matters. 
And uh, so I, I think in the, in the parenting and certainly in the blended family context, it's all about the meaning that comes from having children. That's the bigger picture. Um, and I think the reason the bigger picture matters, it just gives, kind of gives some context to what the details are all about. Uh, but then the details that I see over and over and definitely saw in the divorce context are time management. You know, it is, um, <laughs> time management is so much more important than people ever imagine it's going to be when they're first getting into a romance. Um, you know, the management of daily activities and finances and life and just what you do with yourself. That's what most of our relationships are about <laughs> when, you, when you get right down to it. And, um, managing that with one set of kids is tough enough adding in two families that are trying to merge together and it becomes, uh, it, it can become unmanageable for yes. a lot of people. Yes. Yes. That's very, very <laughs> true. So I have to ask you this has working with all of these couples over the years changed the way you handle your own relationship? And if so, how? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I just have a lot more humility about it. I I don't think I'm that important <laughs> in a way anymore. My concerns, my my kind of daily struggles are just not that big of a deal. Um and I and I have come to that by watching so many couples overcome extraordinary odds. Um, just by putting one foot in front of the other and staying in their relationship and and being committed to to uh, that intimacy, it's it's been really humbling. Um, I'm and I'm super grateful for seeing all these couples go through it. Yeah, yeah I, I think that... I'm sorry we keep interrupting each other. Um, your your fiance. <laughs> um, I was just thinking. I'm wondering, is it like? Do you start bringing up stuff during arguments, and is she like, "I don't want you to do that relationship stuff on me right now"? Or does <laughs> does she does she pull that on you, or does she appreciate oh, totally. that you that you actually have that skill set? Because I think a lot of people don't have the skill set. You know, she goes back and forth. I mean, I, there's that the the power struggle thing that goes on with people is is present in our relationship too. It's, it's, and it's about personal autonomy. You know, she doesn't want to feel like she's being manipulated by me. Right. She doesn't want to think that, you know, I'm lording over my wisdom <laughs> and using it as a way to get my way, you know, and that's perfectly right and appropriate. And to the extent that I'm using some insights I have to manipulate her into doing stuff she shouldn't, I, then that is wrong. Um, so I try to be really careful about you know, what I bring up when we're having a challenge. Um, but on the other hand, she's, she, I, she, well, well, I can only say what she has shared with me. And that's that, uh, she said that she feels really lucky to have somebody who, who likes to talk about these things. Uh, cause so many people don't, but yeah, I, it, you know, you got to balance that stuff when you're talking with your actual partner. You, you can't, I can't be a professor with her. She doesn't, she doesn't want that. She wants a partner, not a right. teacher. But it's helpful that you do have the skills to understand about healthy communication and, and tr you know, even just like about your triggers, because I'm sure that your arguments are cut a lot shorter because you know how to deal with it, um, as opposed to some people that just have no clue even how to communicate at all, especially during a conflict. So um, I think that that's probably a really good thing. 
Um, we're kind of running out of time, so we'll wrap up soon. But before we go, Eric, I'd like for you to leave my listeners with some last words of advice or encouragement from you. So what would you want everyone to know today? You know, I, I, I hesitate to say this. Um, I don't mean to be flip about it, but, uh, you know, the truth is we're all going to die. Hmm. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to die. And most of the, the concerns that we have, most of the, the battles, the internal struggles, um, you know, most of what consumes us and causes the anxiety that, that people feel all the time is just going to disappear. You know, it's going to blow away in the dust of time and nobody's going to remember it and it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. What does matter is your experience right now. And our experience on this planet is a social one. You, you know, we, we cannot be separated from the truth of society and culture. You know, we are, in fact, made up of our communities. And that's felt nowhere more deeply and nowhere more poignantly than in our romance. And so my invitation to anybody listening and to myself on a daily basis is to remember that what matters most is the experience of connectedness and intimacy that's available in every single second right now with the person right in front of you and not the concerns that are chattering away. You really can put those down. Mm, that is such great advice and it really puts things into perspective. Um, last question, you got big Valentine's Day plans? Do you guys celebrate? <laughs> <laughs> we never celebrate Valentine's Day. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it. You know, um, what we'll probably do is order some sushi and watch a movie on the couch. And I got to say, that sounds, that's like the ultimate day for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I would agree. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you. We don't ever do anything big. I mean, if, if we do anything, we might go out to dinner, but we usually don't even do that. Um, so I, oh, I totally... You know, one thing I did just do, ah, I'm glad you reminded me of this. Have you heard about these um, LED lights that have color in them, like the Hue by Philips? Yeah. Uh, lights. So I, I got a bunch of Hue lights for our house. And I just downloaded um, a new program that has lots of different presets. And I just realized one of them is Valentine's Day candles. Oh, see, so you can create some mood lighting for your sushi and movie. <laughs> exactly. I'm going I'm to put on the Valentine's Day candles, maybe a little mood music. When she gets home from work, we'll have the sushi there. Thank you for reminding me about this. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to keep it casual, but I'm going to do something nice for her. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a little surprise that she'll get excited about. <laughs> well, Eric, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was really a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me, Melissa. I really appreciate it. Listeners, check out Eric's podcast called Together as well as his website, together.guide, which is full of articles on every relationship topic you could possibly think of. As always, I will add all of his links in the show notes for you. Eric knows that relationships take work, and he is on a mission to help couples everywhere to stay happy and fulfilled in theirs. So I really hope you enjoyed that conversation today.
As promised, I do have a giveaway this month. I'm giving away a book called The Book of Us, The Journal of Your Love Story in 150 Questions. This is a diary of sorts that you can record the stories and moments of your romance. It's got prompts in there. It's really cute and something you can use throughout the rest of your relationship over the years. The winner today is Dacia Hicks. Congratulations, Dacia. I will be contacting you to arrange shipping on that. Once again, if you want a chance to win next month, all you have to do is join my list at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. Thank you so much for listening today and join me next week for another show. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.